So Scott is away on, on a little uh, vacation, little holiday weekend. Uh, high school ministry and junior high ministry is away at winter camp. So um, you're stuck with us. Uh, so uh, a, a good friend of mine, Mark Campbell, is going to share his heart and share the word with you. And um, a few months ago when I had the opportunity to share my heart with you on a Sunday, I, I was talking about how phone, sometimes phone calls uh, can change your life. And there could be a, there, you can get a phone call, and that voice on the other end is going to say something, either some news or, or something, and, and it's, it's going to rock your world one way or another. Well, uh, Mark Campbell was, was one of those. Uh, I had, was new to the Lord, um, and uh, it was in, 19, in 1998, um, and uh, it was in the summertime, and I got a phone call. Um, I'm trying to think if it was even on a, on a cell phone or not. Might not have been. Might have been on the house phone. And um, a voice on the other end said, hey, uh, hey Nick, uh, a guy named Cliff gave me your name. And uh, my name's Mark Campbell, and I'm a youth pastor up at First Baptist Church. And I heard you know a little something about construction. And anyways, we're remodeling a, a little supermarket into an off, off-site uh, youth ministry building. And... Um, if you'd like to help, we'd love to have you help. We do demos on Monday if you want to show up. Uh, no pressure. And uh, think about it, pray about it, and you guys talk to you later. Nice talking to you. Bye. And um, uh, little did I know uh, from after that phone call and, and meeting this guy that uh, m- my life would be changed. My life was already on a path of being changed because I had already surrendered to the Lord uh, to come into my life and if this is how it works, here I am. And uh, God always puts people in your life that are part of his plan. And, and Mark was one of them. So uh, we had the pleasure of, of doing youth ministry together for a few years. Uh, we used to go to public school, high, high school, public high school campuses and just hang out with the kids and invite them to a youth ministry on Tuesday nights. We'd have live band, scripture on the walls. We'd tell them about who Jesus was and what it was like to to follow Jesus. There was thousands of them that came and listened and hundreds of them that, that took a hold of it and decided to make that decision for themselves. Uh, we had the privilege of doing that. Um, would, would that have happened had Mark and I not answered the call? Yep, because that's how God works. You know, there's an opportunity there and you either step into it or God will figure out a way. Um, he's big like that. Uh, he's, he's a men's ministry pastor. It's been 20 years uh, since that phone call and the time. Um, he uh, is uh, the men's ministry pastor up at Neighborhood Church, the place where we go to the retreat every every year, guys, which is coming up in May. And uh, uh, he is doing a ministry down in Santa Cruz. Uh, he's a great storyteller. Uh, he walked away from a landscaping job to um, have fires in his backyard and tell people what it's like to um, uh, believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. And he, and he went down to Santa Cruz to support his son, who was starting a business like him. And you might think, well, having fires in the backyard, that's kind of a cool thing, but how much does that really do for spreading the kingdom of God? Well, last year, the guy burned four cords of wood on campfires in his backyard, sharing what it's like to follow Jesus and try to answer his call. And that makes a difference. 
Uh, that's what this book is all about, stories about people who answered the call and shared what their life is and uh, who God is. And so if you will put your hands together and give some love to uh, Mark Campbell coming up to share. Thank you. Well, I wish my wife was here to hear that. Reminder that I'm amazing. You know what I mean? 32 years. You know, ladies, you know how we like to be reminded us men how amazing we are. Are you with me? Uh, I know, no, you hear how quiet it is? Ladies are sick of that. Uh, we're going to get this going. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. How's it feel to be here on a holiday weekend? Yeah, you're the, sh- you're the sheep, not the goats. You're the true believers. Can you believe it? Uh, I'm just going to get this plugged up and we're going to go. Boom. Good morning. Can't tell you how happy I'm going to be here because I've been vertical in the bed with the flu since Wednesday. So this morning is the first time I popped up. I texted Scott and I said, okay, I'm going. I'm 20%, which means we're going to have a lot of fun. Are you with me? Uh, (laughs) The whole thing started, like Nick said, I can't believe it. 98 is when I met Nick. It started for me in 97. I had been uh, walking with the Lord at that point for about 14 years. And uh, I came to faith later in life, 21 years old. I met this big, tall, beautiful, blonde, smelt like China rain and herbalescence mixed up together. Beautiful, frizzy, you know, it was the 80s, right? The big hair, big nails. And uh, I thought, this is going to be the woman I'm going to marry. And uh, I did. I married her. (laughs) This is amazing. And uh, for me. And uh, she actually led me to the Lord. And I start this new uh, relationship with a God unseen, and I did what I thought you should do. And what it's not bad things, but just became the focus of my faith was what I wasn't doing. How do I stop doing this and fill in your blank? How do I stop listening to the bad music or watching the bad movies or hanging out with the bad people? And how do I start putting good things and good people in my life? And I became really, really, really busy and really, really, really empty. And then when the kids start coming and the debt starts growing and the responsibilities start growing, you kind of just add church, add faith to the mix of everything else we're doing. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. I spent about a decade there. It came to a point in my life where it's like, is this why I was made? Is this why I was walking the planet? Just to go to another home group, not that they're bad, or listen to another. Back then it was K-Love, no offense if you're into Christian music, but I grew up with earth, wind, and fire, and the stones, and I couldn't listen to that no more. No Led Zepp. What, Lord? You know what I mean? That became my ministry. I kind of made the focus of staying insulated and isolated from culture, especially when kids came along. We want to protect ourselves and our hearts and our faith from evil. And I really, really, really started to wonder if God even really was engaged in me, my family, and honestly, between you and me, Life was a lot easier pre-faith. A lot more fulfilling, a lot more joy, a lot more freedom. I mean, I was a good pagan. You know what I'm saying? I sold good weed. You know what I mean? I, I'm sincere. I'm sincere. And I just went to work, keyword, to be a good Christian. And it left me kind of dry. So I end up going to Israel on a pilgrimage, private pilgrimage, 1997, to wrestle with God, if there was a God, where he wrestled with the greats. 
I end up on top of a little mountain called Mount Arbel. I was there four months ago. Uh, that's the, actually the spot. Uh, my friend took this photo. It's frozen? Thank you. What do I do, James? Who yelled, it's frozen? Thank you. Everybody else was just going to let me space out. You're the person that tells me I got a booger on my nose. Thank you. I need you in my life. Is it working now? That's my first wife, 32 years. I like to remind her she's my first. We never know. We never know. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Uh, you got to do something after 32 years to lighten it up a little bit. You know what I mean? I like to remind her it's, she's on thin ice and spring is coming. Yeah, and she reminds me of things we won't discuss currently. Okay? So here I am. <laughs> I can't, how many people are here? Everybody else was just going to stare at the things. Not you. You're the smart one. You want to see. So here I am four months ago. I sat right here on this spot, and this pastor unpacks Luke 5 when Luke, or, uh, Peter is encouraged by Jesus. Third encounter in Luke 5 where Jesus says, hey, drop your nets. Stop this and follow me. And he turns to me. I don't know him. I don't know anybody in the group. There's 30 of us. He turns to me, and he says, Mark, it'd be like you. I was 32 at the time. It'd be like you if Jesus walked up and invited you to drop your nets and it hit me. It was like God himself was speaking to me. Like, bro, when are you going to drop your nets, your fake identity, the identity of what a good Christian guy you think should be, your identity of a great landscape designer builder, your identity of, of how you parent, all the identities, all the nets that are false securities we know, but we are so close to and, and so in touch with. And I kind of had to really come to grips and say, I don't think I would. I'm embarrassed to say, because I worked hard for my nets. I worked hard for my nets. I grew up in Oakland. Dad loved a fifth of vodka a day. That's a wine bottle of vodka a day for 28 years. Needless to say, he suffered with mental illness. My mom at 11 years old came down with MS or had it my whole life, but was bedridden by 11. And I was an only child growing up in Oakland, doing what only children do that raise themselves. And so I get to a place of prominence and life and freedom, and I find God, and it's like, wow, I look back on my life at this point in 97, and I go, it's amazing, but it's stale. It's dry. And now you're asking me to drop everything that I've invested so much passion in, so much energy in. Then he said, drop your nets. I'll make you fishers of people, of men. And I went, oh, no. People bug me. Can I be honest? I don't know how honest God is here. Pretty honest, are people not annoying or are people annoying? You know what I'm saying? I, this morning driving from Santa Cruz, I was telling the story. I counted 16 different people that bugged me before I pulled into the parking lot. I live in Santa Cruz. Guy behind me, I'm behind him. It's 6 in the morning. I'm on 41st Avenue in Santa Cruz. There's just me and him. There's nobody. Red light. Head goes down. Oh, no. He's texting. Light turns green. Nothing. I'm in a 1995 Chevy van with 250,000 miles on. Translated, the horn don't work. So I'm a pastor. I'm coming to preach the word with my good new friends. I'm thinking I'm just going to bump them NASCAR style. <laughs> right? Boom. Light turns yellow. He looks up, goes red. He runs the red. I'm stuck sitting there again. People bug me. 
People bug me. People are controlling, manipulative, prickly, angry, distracted, judgmental. And the Lord went, yep, so are you. (laughs) Who else is going to reach some kind of people? Three days later, I find myself in Nazareth. And see, I didn't know why I was walking the earth. I didn't know what I was about. And I'm in Nazareth where Jesus opens the scrolls and announces his ministry 2,000 years ago. He reads Isaiah 61, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. That's what he was about. And it hit me there in Nazareth. I believed in the good news, but I wasn't living the good news. And there's a big difference Next verse, he says, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Captives will be set free. I was held captive by what I thought a good Christian man was. I was held captive by good responsibilities. I was held captive by finding a good job, held captive by keeping a good job, held captive by the bills that were mounting, captive by traffic, captive by preparing for my home group, captive by serving in the the junior high ministry. My whole life could be summed up in no freedom, held captive in this course that has been set up for us in this culture, which is a beautiful culture. I love our culture, but it's captive-inducing. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're in the middle there. I was in Israel with $60,000 of debt at the time to the IRS, which is $3,000 a month interest only because I had bought and sold three homes too quickly. Didn't know it. Our realtors didn't know it. Our CPAs didn't know it. Very obscure little law that they look at the second house as income. Well, we did pretty good on the second house. Four years later, they knock on the door, close out my bank accounts. Did I mention two-year-old, four-year-old, 17 employees? You know what I'm saying? God, and I'm tithing on gross. Hello, God. I'm in the cup, man. (laughs) I'm in community. I'm all in. I've been held captive by the kingdom that I swore allegiance to and the kingdom that I danced to, two separate kingdoms. I've proclaimed the captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has now come. That now, 2,000 years ago in Nazareth, it starts that Lord looks at everybody in favor He looks at everybody, whether they're in Christ or not in Christ, and marvels. When will they come to know me? Look how they walk. Look how I form their nose. Look how the gifts I've given them. Look at the talents because they've been created in my image. Everybody, this morning when I was thinking NASCAR, how far will I push this kid into the intersection? (laughs) Right? How fun is that? Come on. Well, there's blessings in driving old raggedy vans. Right? I mean, just to see the look in his face. What are you doing, bro? Going to church to preach the word. Later, dude. Right? Where was I? I can get distracted. The Lord's crazy about that guy. He's crazy about him. And will this be one of the moments where God gets to interact with him through one of God's people? Right? And so I find myself in Nazareth realizing that my eyes won't focus on what he wants me to focus on. Do you realize if you go to Luke or uh, Isaiah 61 that you won't find the blind will see? He inserts that. Think about the gospels lined up, you Bible people. How many blind people do we see that Jesus healed? I've been to Israel uh, 10 times now. I'm leading my 11th trip in January, officially inviting all of you to come. Not at once, 
It'd be weird. <laughs> I've seen one blind person in Israel. One. In 10 trips. Think about it. A lot of the healings that Jesus did in the scriptures were physical sight healing. And a lot of it was metaphorical, spiritual blindness. And he says, is a new time coming. The Lord's favor is on the whole earth. I'm going to have to open some eyes for some folks. Remember when he told the disciples, you guys have eyes but can't see. You have ears but can't hear my voice. Therefore, your hearts, they don't understand. They're far from me. And I began there in Nazareth to pray a very, very dangerous prayer. And that prayer changed my life. And I was wondering maybe if you would join me in that prayer and see if something might happen in our hearts together as his children in the next 30 minutes. And that is that my eyes would be opened to what he has for me. And that my ears would start to be able to hear his soft voice and be able to respond. So that my heart would be one of understanding, humility, gentleness, and one that represents who Christ truly is. Father, thank you for this morning. And again, we thank you for Scott and 11 high school students and talk about an unlovable group of people. Lord, it's the high school students. Thank you that Scott loves them and pours his life into them and that you love them more. Be with that group. Be with us right now, currently, Lord, and teach us to be the kind of people you've created us to be, people that ride the rim, people that um, know why we're walking the earth, and people that look at life and people and situations through your eyes waiting for your voice to speak to us and how to respond to what we see and ultimately giving us your hearts, Lord. In your son's holy name, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. What happened again? Oh, I got a sidebar. Thanks, James. My new friend over here on the left wasn't going to tell me nothing. There we go. How's that? We're going to get there, man. Did I tell you? Did I tell you that it's my first day out of the bed in five days? Did I tell you? It shows. It shows. What are we doing, James? What are we doing, man? Nope. Nope. Are we good? Nope. There we go. The devil is in the technology, man. Remember before technology? Remember you'd call a guy and the phone was nailed to the wall? And the big technology was the 20-foot cord. That was huge technology, right? And the voice machine was a, a thing nailed on the fridge, remember? And the neighbor would have to come over because the phone wouldn't stop ringing because there was no answering machine. Anyway, I digress. Back to where we are today. Acts chapter 10. Peter has to learn the most important lesson I think he's ever had to learn in his entire life. And that is how to do something he hadn't seen Jesus do. Think about it. Acts chapter 2. Peter, the guy who took two steps forward and one step back through the Gospels, has the privilege to preach the first sermon at Pentecost and watch the Holy Spirit, the prophesied Holy Spirit, through the book of Joel, come out and 3,000 Jewish people come to faith. A new nation is born, the church of God. G uh, Peter is standing right there where he saw Jesus preach hundreds of sermons. He's doing what he saw his rabbi do. Next chapter, he raises a cripple that had been there for 40 years on the same stairs. Him and John raise a cripple like he saw Jesus do dozens of times. Then earlier uh, or later, he goes and heads towards Tel Aviv, modern Tel Aviv, towards Joppa, and he heals another cripple that had been crippled for eight years. He'd seen Jesus do it. Then he finds a dead woman named Dorcas. Kind of a bummer name, but a great day from her because he raised her from the dead. He'd seen Jesus do it. 
And now we're in Acts chapter 10, and it starts in chapter 10 with a guy named Cornelius, a centurion named Cornelius, which means he's in charge of a hundred soldiers. He's a captain. He's a God-fearing man. He's a Jewish convert. He's a God-fearing Jewish convert. So he believes in the Torah. He's uncircumcised, Greek, and so he's invited into synagogue, but second-class citizen. You came late to the party. We're glad you're here. Glad your kids are here. Pumped your wife is here, but Cornelius, you'll never be in the full covenant of the Torah or in God's ways because you come late. Your kids, though, you're really starting a heritage with your kids. Second thing is, last time Peter has seen Roman soldiers, when? Crucifixion that we know of, recorded. I mean, of course, he probably saw soldiers somewhere, but recorded. Last time he saw uh, Roman soldiers were carting off his best friend, his rabbi, his lord, to drag him through the streets and de-skin him and de-hair him and de-dignify him and ultimately torture him and hang him on a cross. Can we say praise the Lord in the middle of that kind of a scene? But thank you, Lord, you went through that, but Peter saw it. And what happens to Cornelius is an angel visits him and says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. He has seen how you live, and he's fired up about it. Cornelius freaks out because he knows his Torah enough to know when angels show up, people die in Scripture, right? They're not the violin players, right? It's like wartime. Gets visited by an angel. He says, no, 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 don't freak out. Listen, I have come to restore you to full favor with God, but you're going to need information that this guy named Peter has, and he's about two days' walk south in Joppa. Go send some guys, grab Peter. He will tell you everything you need to know to be in right standing with me completely and forevermore. Okay, verse 9 says, Meanwhile, Peter is on the rooftop of a tanner's house in Acts chapter 10, verse 9, and he gets a vision. Now, what's he doing on top of a tanner's house in Joppa? Chilling. It's right on the coast. If you've been there, anybody been to Israel? It's beautiful. It's right there. It's an ancient harbor. It's where Herod, or not Herod, um, Solomon brought all the materials in for the temple. It's a famous Middle Eastern harbor. It's gorgeous. It's right there at the harbor. Tannering is he's shipping his skins. Peter's on the roof because tanners are unclean. They deal with dead animals. Peter's a good Jewish boy who's gaining huge popularity and esteem building Christ's church, God's church, through Judaism. And he's on the roof because Peter, like me, was concerned about not defying himself. His whole faith had been protecting himself from things that defile him. His whole existence was to stay in God's economy and God's community, isolated from all the things that defile that. He's on the roof of this tanner. And all of a sudden, he gets his vision. And it literally is Nick Drabeck's life verse. It's a big sheet with four corners, and the first thing that come out of the sheet is pigs. And, and God says, Peter, eat, partake. No, 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 no. I can never defile myself. And there's reptiles. Now, I've never one time considered eating a reptile. But I'm not from the South. I don't know how to cook them. There's birds. There's birds. There's all these things that defile Peter's religion, old religion. But he doesn't know it's old yet. And he says, partake. Three times he gets the vision. Peter's a three-time guy. I'm a three-time guy. Thick head. Three times the Lord has to repeat stuff. My wife, it's 60 times. She has to say it 60 times, and I get it. <clears throat> and it, verse 19, it says, and I want to pick it up there. In verse 19, it says that Peter was perplexed. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzled over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, 
go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. And don't worry, I've sent them. Don't worry, I've sent them. Why would Peter worry? There's three guys from the, the mob is at the door. The last time the Romans were at the door, it didn't go so well. Right? You know what I'm saying? And think about the time frame. It's just been 40, 50, 60 days since the transfiguration. This is all brand new stuff. He hadn't read the New Testament yet. And so he's sitting up inside of his little community and staying pure, arguing with God. Now I'm not going to have bacon. I just, again, first day out of being the flu, I was kind of wobbly first service. My man went across the street and got me a BLT from Bob's. Dude, if I go into a nap like around 10 minutes from now, that thing was perfect. Praise the Lord for Acts chapter 10. And so he's tripping. He's tripping, and he says, don't worry. Why would, why would the Lord say, don't worry? I think three reasons. This was the, the culmination of Matthew 28, the last words you heard Jesus say. In your going, everywhere you go, make disciples. I like the word imitators. Disciple means learner. That's what the word means, learner. And it means a lot in Judaism, but we kind of lose the flavor in disciple. It's imitator. You know how people imitate. Like we see a lot of people right now imitating LeBron James. They're not learners. They're playing like he plays. I think the word imitator is more conducive to what the Lord said. I want you to imitate me, as Paul even said, as I imitate Christ. And it came through church history that knowing more was more valuable than doing more. The academics kicked in, praise the Lord for them, but that became the focus. It's crazy in Jesus's time. The academics are the ones who missed the whole boat. And he says, listen, don't worry because I want you to go along the way and make people in my image realize they're made in my image, made to live with me and walk with me, baptize them, bring them into community with me, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new imitators, these new disciples, just what I've taught you. But see, we get stuck. We get stuck inside of our beautiful, loving, comfortable communities where everybody looks like us, votes like us, talks like us prays like us, sings like us. I mean, it's comfortable, right? I, I, am I alone? Put you on top of a mountain in 1997, sucking your thumb. And he says, get up on the rim. Don't be afraid because it says in the end of Matthew 28, I'll be with you every step of the way. I'll be with you. You will not be alone. The second thing I think is amazing is we are God's masterpiece, one of a kind. Poetry, some of your translations might say. Peter was literally, as you look at the apostles, probably the only guy that had the courage and the dumbness to go into a Roman's home, right? He was courageous. And the Lord said, you're my masterpiece. We are all individually made for great moments in time, for we are God's masterpiece, one of a kind, poetry, not another one like us. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. When we put faith in Christ, we have resurrected through the power of the Holy Spirit a new man and woman. The challenge is to live in that new man, that new woman. For great works, great moments, great projects, or great encounters that he planned and prepared for us before time began. I put Cornelius's guys in motion four days ago. Don't panic. I'm with you. You're the masterpiece, and it's already set up. That's an amazing reality. My son... Uh, Desired to move back to Santa Cruz four years ago and open a luxury barbershop. Santa Cruz, weed, hippies, no haircuts. 
Not the, not the best business model. Okay? I mean, he takes after me. I'm thinking, yeah, like four chairs, pops. There'll be beer on tap. It'll be a $50 haircut. It's fantastic. I was born in Santa Cruz. I surf there all the time. I know everybody in Santa Cruz. Ain't nobody chomping at the bit for a haircut, man. But you're not borrowing money. You don't have a wife. Go sink a couple ships. Have some fun. You know what I'm saying? You, now's the time to get all that stuff out of, your, out of your business, right? So all of a sudden, the Lord starts awakening my wife, who can't stand Santa Cruz. She's a mountain girl. She doesn't like kelp. She doesn't like wind. She doesn't like fog. She doesn't like to be cold. She likes mountains, creeks, lakes, margaritas, floating, no movement. You know what I'm saying? She's like... So she says, hey, I think God might be doing something with us in Santa Cruz. I'm going, wow, that's kind of amazing because I've been trying to move there since I met you. What's going on? The Lord's like stirring, right? But the problem is I have a great home, Castro Valley, a great ministry, great friends, great community, great. It's vibrant. I mean, I have no, no reason to move. And all of a sudden, my wife gets this verse from the Lord. Your ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, remember that prayer I prayed? Give me eyes to see, ears to hear. This is the way you should go. Walk in it, whether you turn left or whether you turn right, just start walking. And we went, man, I think the Lord might be doing something new with us. So she quits her job. I go part-time. 75% of our income's wiped off the table. That's a thrill in the 50s when it's supposed to be the earning cap prime of the, right? <laughs> Okay, Lord. So I get the, the 250,000-mile van that has no, no horn, whatever. And so we thought, okay, let's start looking at Santa Cruz. So we help our son. He, he, it's an unbelievable gift that the Lord puts him in a prominent, prominent piece of real estate on 41st Avenue in Capitola. It's a gift given to us. Not given. He has to rent it, but it's like given. And we start remodeling it August, two and a half years ago. This is, I'm getting my first haircut in the shop. I always got to be the first haircut. People say, how much you pay for your haircut? How much do you think you pay for the haircut? Really rough to me. Yeah. Well, you got to <laughs> Well, you're a good guy. I'll ask my friend who's honest. How much do you think I pay for the haircut? Nothing. This is the, he cut it last week, this 52nd time. It was 220 grand to raise him. This is 15 grand, sister. It's 15 grand. It's 15 grand. <clears throat> so I'm getting the first haircut. Guy pokes in from Betty's Burgers across the street. He goes, hey, you guys cutting hair? I've never had a real haircut. Yeah, no kidding. Dude, another hippie in Santa Cruz. And so he sits down in the chair. My son, being gracious, starts cutting his hair. And the Lord went, turn to the left. This is one of those moments. And we start talking. That's his wife right here with the shoulders, Savannah. They're sitting there. She's real kind of, I don't know. And he starts, my son starts just being the masterpiece he is and cutting them. It goes for two and a half hours. The sun drops. He says, oh, you do straight edge razor shaves too? Hot lather, got a beer, we're doing life. Problem is, I have two weeks to get this thing open. We're under contract to have it open by Labor Day. And it's a 110-degree heat wave in Capitola, which is not, there's no air conditioning in Capitola, because it's ocean. It's hot, I got a black ceiling, it's massive, 70 gallons of white paint. We've calculated six coats of, of white out to cover a black ceiling so the place looks brighter and lighter. And I have to have this thing painted because the floors are coming in two days. And his name's Mike. And Mike says, hey, I'm the, I'm the safety advisor for the giant dipper at the boardwalk. I do all the welding for stuff. I'll just call in sick tomorrow. And I'm thinking, is that a good thing or a bad? What's going to help me paint? Fantastic. And so he shows up at 6 in the morning, airless sprayer, plastic suits, donuts, and knows how to get busy. Two hours into the thing, 
He says, hey, uh, I heard you were, you were, I heard you were a pastor. Oh, no. Hey, dude, that crown, we should hit the crown molding before, it start, before we do. No, 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 I've always had questions. It's like, just teach them everything I taught you. I have questions about what's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Well, dude, the Old Testament, well, well that's old. And the New Testament, well, bro, that's new. <laughs> yes, come on, man, let's get this thing going. No, 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 I'm, I'm hung up over the dinosaurs and evolution and, and what's with the flood? I mean, dude, it was a lot of water, one family, big boat, weird bird kept going in and out, boat lands, Noah gets drunk. Come on, dude, let's get this thing done. We got, you know what I'm saying? And so we go through this Hayward High level uh, Bible study. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> This is me, like, I'm going, really, bro? He takes me, really, bro? And he keeps, now what about, and he, so he's asking me, he's asking me. They end up going to uh, the local church because pastors start getting their haircuts. Mike gives his heart to the Lord. Savannah becomes my son's first receptionist. Their marriage was really how marriage is early on, really tough. And I can relate to that because marriage is tough. And I learned a few things. And so what we learned with Mike is there's a lot of power when we can stop long enough to see somebody. And we saw them. We didn't judge them. We saw them. And when you really stop long enough, and the Lord had to put me in a paint suit in a heat wave to remind me, get to know this guy. Don't just pass him. You know, we don't do relationships anymore. We do cruise ships. Like, we cruise past people. I mean, we're in a fast-paced deal. You know what I'm saying? And if we stop long enough, it's like, when's my buffet? I mean, what are you going to do for me, right? And so it's like, I see you, Mike, and because I see you, I start to value you. I, I feel what you're feeling with Savannah. I feel what you're feeling in frustration and emptiness. And when you start to value people, it's easy to love people. I see you, Mike. I value you. Therefore, I love you. I love you because God loves you. And now I'm starting to see that we're brothers, and when you value and love somebody... I'm doing life with you. We call that discipleship. Whether that life is for a weekend, a soccer season, a year, a decade, a lifetime, when you see somebody and start to value somebody, not judge them, then love somebody, all of a sudden we're doing life with somebody. It's called riding the rim. We've gotten outside of ourselves, up on the rim of culture where the angel of the Lord said to Peter, get up on the rim. You're going to go up to um, Cesarea. You're going to meet Cornelius and you're going to spend some days with them, and it's going to be wild, but you got to get up on the rim. Stay connected to your community so you don't fall into the world, but pull people up in the community with you by seeing them, valuing them, loving them, and then doing life with them. Start writing a book in the back of the barbershop. I meet the Millers. He's a large construction builder, prisons, high-rises. He's a great guy from Huntington Beach, loves surfing. I sold him a couple surfboards. His wife, Carrie, she's a CPA. All of a sudden, they start going, hey, what are you writing in the back? Well, I'm writing a book. What's it on? History. <laughs> like old, old 3,000-year-old stories. Oh, like what? What story? Jacob and Esau. Uh, how do you live? How do you give a blessing to your son when you didn't get one? Like it's a father-son book. It's based on Jacob and Esau wrestling with an angel. Oh, sounds religious. Eh, not really. It's kind of gnarly. Because my son, I'm trying to figure out how to bless him. He's 26, and I didn't get one from my dad because he loved vodka. My dad loves vodka. All of a sudden, we have a connection. We fall in love with each other. 
and then we're doing life together. And now I can't get rid of the guy. <laughs> guy walks in, C.J. Nelson's got red shoes on. That's my son on the left. I'm showing him pictures of a men's retreat because he's intrigued. He saw my Instagram. He says, oh, you got the big old SWAT guy, uh, black dude. If you've been around our men's ministry, you've met Tony Banks. He's the head of security for Golden State Warriors. And he was intrigued. He goes, what, what, what were you doing in a river with the black dude with a biker, Kurt from Turlock, baptizing him? This is C.J. Nelson. He's just a guy. And I told him. He says, what's your name? I said, my name's Mark. He goes, my dad's name was Mark. He died eight years ago. I can't get over it. I go, I'm writing a book on my dad. He used to pheasant hunt where you're standing. Really? He, he says, yeah. I didn't know C.J. Nelson two years earlier won the duct tape invitational. He's a world-class, world champion, longboard surfer. I don't know. This is him surfing in front of the, what? But I didn't see him for what the world saw him. I saw him as a man who just lost his dad, who's trying to figure out life. And so when we can see people, who they really are, and then value them, and then learn to love them, we can do life with them. He says, listen, how about I come by your house and we can talk parents, dads, you can, I can adopt you as my dad. I'm kind of, his name's Mark, your name's Mark. Eh, I don't know, you're kind of a punky kid. I don't know if I want to. He goes, come on. So he sits down right here. This is our first full moon party. That's the full moon, actually. And you see that fog bank coming in? He sits down in the backyard, and he, we start a four-and-a-half-hour conversation. The fog came in so thick that we couldn't see this close. We're eating chowder. Me, my wife, who's 58, with a pro surfer, world champion, none of us got nothing in common. Four-and-a-half-hour conversation. And it was there we fell in love with each other. And at the end of it, he says, hey, you know what? Uh, what if we did this every Friday? Gather some surfers. You talk about the Bible, how you do. Throw some jokes in there, and we do life together. I'm going, what? I'm a masterpiece. It's all set up. It's all pre-done. Just walk in those moments and recognize it. I said, can I talk about the Old Testament? It's old. <laughs> talk about the New Testament? It's new. And I'll bring in the flood with the bird and the alcohol. What do you think? He says, it's perfect. <laughs> I see you. I value you. I love you. Here's CJ at our first Dawn Patrol with my son. And then two months later, we've got all these guys around. And then here's a full moon party where we sat down and we went, let's start a, a nonprofit called The Tribal Way based on Genesis 12. All the people that we did all this organization with don't even know the Lord. Genesis 12, when Abraham, or God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you a new tribe, and I'm going to bless that tribe so that your tribe will bless every other tribe on the planet. It's The Tribal Way. It's up on the rim. Get out of your community, up on the rim of culture, and invite every other people group into community with God. We'll, we'll call it the tribe away, and we start dreaming. And me and Kath are going, what? CJ builds us a webpage. He does graphics for us. It's unbelievable. Then he says, I've always wanted to go to Israel. Really? Yeah, can you baptize me where you baptized Tony Banks? What? Well, we got to talk about Jesus a little bit. He goes, well, we'll get there. It's like all the religious bones in my body are going, you know, like, it must have been for, it must have been for, like, uh, Peter. You, you know, like, what? Here we are. Here we are. You ready? In Joppa. This is Joppa in October. What? So he says, I'm going to make you a film for your movie. If you go to tribalway.org, you can see the film he made us. He's trying to convince me here to go through the Judean wilderness, 116 degrees. Go up on that hillside over there and go pet those camels. I'll get you from here. What, dude? It's like a hundred, it's like scorpions, man. 
Here he is on Mount Arbel after I told my story in 1997. It's like a really amazing. Here's Carrie, that the couple. They end up, they, I bring 20. We go to Israel with 20 misfits, come back with 42 brand new tattoos. That's the crew I brought. I didn't get a tattoo. 10 of us didn't. I got no problems with tattoo. I just got a problem with pain and paying for stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we get the greatest crew, and there's CJ getting baptized by Kurt the Weeping Biker, and then there's Carrie and uh, Chris re-establishing re their marriage vows in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, and here's me and CJ praying. It was really wild. See, he's got Buddha tattooed to the back of his hand, and it was so fun watching the rabbis on the Western Wall with his hand on the Western Wall, and we're praying, thanking the Lord for bringing us all together. Isn't that crazy? Ride the rim. You can't believe it. We just did the whole thing for one guy, Mike. When we met Mike and Mike came to faith and got a haircut, we thought, that's it. This is amazing. And when, and when, when Philip, the evangelist, chapter 8 of Acts, did the uh, youth, Ethiopian unit, that's just one guy. But it went to a whole nation. And it's just one guy, one surfer, one CJ. Well, we fall in love with this man. He's our Arab bus driver. His name's Ahmed. Now, if you've been to Israel, you realize that there's a little issue right now between the Arabs and the Jews. Kind of a new thing. Been going on for 5,000 years. <laughs> Pretty hostile. Pretty hostile. And the thing is that the Arabs are treated like every other country in the world has people that are left in a downcast system. They're just, just set aside. They're just not valued. And nobody's perfect. No side's perfect. I'm not making a political statement. I'm just saying when you're in Israel, especially in the hotel and in uh, the res resort tour agency, all they are for is to drive uh, buses. That's it. And they don't even get to stay in the hotels we stay in. They have to drive their buses across town and stay in almost uh, shipping containers, almost. Just like, Wow. Well, we adopt Ahmed. Look at the peach of a face. Look at his smile. We're giving him noogies as he's driving the bus. We're picking up his kids from school. Ahmed, you're eating with us. We're, in the nice We're swimming. He's never swam. We're in the Galilee. When do you swim? How do you swim? You're working. You're farming. You know, a lot of third world countries, you don't. He lives in, ready for this? He's lived in the Mount of Olives in the same neighborhood as his family for 700 years. 700 years. His father, his grandfather, his great-great-great-great-grandfather, his great-great-great, they are the curators of a little mosque called the Dome of the Rock, which is not a mosque. It's a monument to Muhammad. His family are the curators of that. His direct lineage comes from a, a, a leader named Sartain who marched from Morocco and kicked out the last Christian crusaders of Jerusalem. Ahmed, we don't know this. We don't know that CJ's a pro surfer. We just see a guy, and we see him, and we value him, and we're bringing him to lunch, and we're teaching him how to swim, and then we love him, and then we ask, Ahmed, where do you want to eat lunch? And he's like 17 years of driving Christian pilgrimages. I've never been asked where I want to eat lunch. Bring your bus driver friends. And he's watching CJ's transformation and the Millers, and he's in our songs, and he's, come on the Sea of Galilee boat. What? I can come? Yeah, I don't swim. That's when we found out. No problem. We've got life preservers. We've got water wings. Who cares if you drown? Come on. Is Muhammad real or not? Come on. Like, you know what I mean? I see you. I value you. I love you. Therefore, I'm going to do life with you. Well, I find out that Ahmed's wife is the best cook in Palestine. Our guide has known Ahmed for 17 years, and he's eaten at his home one time. If you are a well-to-do Palestinian person or Arab and you're having a wedding feast, you're going to bring her in to do the main course, two to three days. 
And so I'm joking, we're at the Dead Sea and um, after the baptisms actually, and I just said, hey, we're eating lunch at Ahmed's. We're heading to Jerusalem. He lives right there at the Mount of Olives. Sometime up to you, Ahmed. And it's like, oh, oh, you know, and, and our guide went, oh, no, 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 no. That's a, he's got the very small home, he, uh, 20. No, this is never gonna happen. I've been there once. He's a friend of mine. Okay. Two days later, Marek, Marek, I would love to have you in my home. I go, oh, I can't leave the group. We're in love with each other. Look at them. They're weird. Already 30 tattoos deep, man. I can't. No, 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 no. Everyone, everyone. What? This brother took all of his furniture out of his house. His house is this big as this stage. All the furniture out, four blocks over, rented plastic patio furniture, filled the house. Wife, two days, two days of cooking. And here she is in her living room. You can see how pumped she is. She's thinking, what the heck? We're under the prayer to Mecca. And then the Dome of the Rock little thing that he made was her wedding gift. He stitched when she was, he was 12 and 14 years old for his wedding. They were arranged marriage. She's Jordanian. They don't know each other. That's his daughter. And Ahmed's even looking at me like, I don't know if this was a good idea. You see my wife? <laughs> Walks us through his neighborhood. All of his friends. This is a, as Muslim as you can get. Sartain's descendant. These are my Christian friends walking through the neighborhood, 11 o'clock in the morning, come on in, brings us out in front. It's like, it was unbelievable. Here she is. I had to get her making coffee. She's still fired up. Look, mm-hmm. That's the main dish, lamb, this thing, with this bread she made by him. Uh, unbelievable. And then later on, he went, it's going to be good. She's, she's happy. What are you here? She likes you guys too. Because it started with Mark being a masterpiece. I asked the son. Here's the son out front. He took two days off of work to help mom. He's 24 years old. I say, son, tell me about your girlfriend. How many girlfriends you got? You'd think that I grabbed Ahmed's underwear and pulled him straight up for the... <laughs> no, 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 Mark. We don't talk about that. It's arranged marriage. We have it figured out. We don't... I don't want to know if he's got the girlfriend. And the wife went like this. <laughs> talk about the girlfriend. Tell me about the girlfriend. And it, the son got all scared. And it was like all... Just throwing gas in a fire. Here we go. We're masterpieces, Ahmed. What are you going to do? Then she says, can we gather around and get a... She'd like a group picture for her friends. And it's like, What? Every day, for instance, she's sending Arabic coffee because we went nuts over the coffee, and she's giving thermoses and pastries, and we're like, wow, that's really something. And our guide said, Marek, at the, at, the, at, the, at the lunch, I've only seen this twice before in my life, and it's something that you don't have an English word for. It's marhaba. It's a holy love. It's when people that aren't like each other, and Asian couples, black couple, bikers, C.J. Nelson, the Millers, Muslims, People, his neighbors looking in through the window, like, it's marhaba. It was sacred. It was, it was God's presence. It was spoken of in 1 John chapter 4 when John says, if you guys don't have love for one another, and we like to isolate that, that just means the Christian brotherhood. It's God's creation. It's people with souls that God's waiting to do eternity with. When you love each other and walk and exist in love, God is with you. And he said, Mark, that whole, that whole thing was marhaba. Love, what's, what's, what's it going to do? I don't know. So then we turn with the Dome of the Rock. And I'll tell you, if you've been to Israel, it's a real sad thing. It's where Solomon's temple stood. It's the, it's the throat of conflict. There's guns everywhere. There's, um, everybody's segregated. All the ladies got it. All of our ladies were humiliated. They got to wear rugs and, and, and dirty clothes or don't come to the Temple Mount. It's just a really hostile place. And it's like, wow, this is Ahmed's legacy our friend that we just fell in love with. All around the Dome of the Rock in that blue tile, it just 
affirms that there is no son of God. There was no resurrection. It's a, an assault to Christianity and Judaism around the Temple Mount. And it's like, geez, it was just really like our group just went, how sad for Ahmed it being brainwashed in that whole thing. And what a crack that we were able to do in that culture, in the neighborhood. And then we go outside the Joppa Gate. We're going to head back to Tel Aviv and Joppa, head back to America. We're in the bus. And uh, I say, okay, Ahmed, let's go. No, 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 no. We wait. Ahmed, I'm the boss, man. I mean, we're friends, but come on. It's time to go. My bus, my group, my thing. We're, we're going. We've got a plane to catch. No, 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 no. We wait. And we see this coming down the street. Now, we've never heard his wife say one word. Not one word. Well, you leave oh, the tour Yeah. It's very nice. Open the door. You gotta open the door for the woman. <laughs> oh! How are you? Good. She's very happy like to see you guys, to meet you. Uh, she came here especially like to say hello to you and goodbye actually. And I uh, hope like you're gonna get back to home in peace and uh, and health. And we hope that you enjoyed your time here, your vacation here. You are people, awesome people. You are great people. She went on for eight minutes. Eight minutes. This is a little selfie. She, look at Ahmed's face. She practiced that for two days. The opening. Good morning. Hello. And Ahmed, if you were watching again, he's in the rearview mirror just beaming. And she said, you guys have shown me grace that I've never seen. You've showed me a God that I hoped had existed. Anytime you are in, in Israel, any of your group, you have a home to stay in. You have a bed. And you've, I, I, you, I can't begin to thank you enough for absorbing my kids and showing us what God looks like. What? One dude getting a haircut in Santa Cruz, talking about Old Testament and New Testament, leads to what? Then we go to Joppa, and I say, Ahmed, you got to drive back to Jerusalem, pick up that beautiful wife. We're buying her dinner, and she can sit with a pouty face because her food's better, but we're feeding her. This is amazing. She sent, This is Joppa, one block from Simon the Tanner's house. The foundation of that building is still there where Peter gets his vision. We're in a circle doing what Christians do, talking about testimony. I came to faith. I left this here. We did all the stuff. We're crying. And she's right there with Ahmed. That's a big gift for him. He actually thanked God that he got to meet us right here in front of her. She said two little words we couldn't understand because she was crying so deeply. CJ's talking about his faith and his awakening. And here she is just loving to be part of the community, not because it's religion, but because it's life. And the off in the sunset, they go arm in arm. Now, I don't know if you picked up the news recently, but we're supposed to hate them people because they've done, in the name of religion, some pretty poor things. But they're people 
and they've been hijacked. Like Romans, like Cornelius, like people that vote, don't vote like us, like people that don't love people that are gay, black, Korean, socialist. People are God's people. And he's waiting for Mahaba from God's people so that God's spirit can permeate the earth. I see you. I value you. I love you. I'm going to do life with you. Me and CJ stay for one whole week after my group goes home. He's stunned. He's never even, what just happened? He has 200 surfers coming in from all over Europe because he's going to do a surfing demonstration. Biggest surfer that's been in Israel in 35 years. We're just right here. Joppa's right around the corner. These two guys are ex-commandos. They own the surf shop, Neve and Omar, and they introduce themselves as people who don't believe in God. That's nice you were here for a pilgrimage. We don't believe in God. I says, Omar, nice to meet you. That don't matter because God believes in you, bro. You got a great haircut. You're a dumb friend. Got no hair. It don't matter. He can't come to Santa Cruz. We start kicking it off. We're having fun. <laughs> we start just seeing them. Because when you've a commando and you've gone into Gaza and you've killed people and you've seen what they've seen, it makes you wonder God. And so to stop and see them and understand their view and to love them and end up in their homes. And then we're in the back of a taxi cab at a dinner in Joppa, waiting in front of where we had that thing a week earlier with CJ. We're in the back of a taxi cab, Arab driver, Neve, the Jewish surfboard owner, and CJ's on the window and I'm on the other window. And Neve says, you know, I was in Santa Cruz once 14 years ago. Really? CJ's going, really? Yeah. I took one picture. See if you can recognize the place. And he brings his phone and shows me this picture. That's right where I live. It's in front of my house. Which, by the way, a guy walks into the barbershop and says, hey, I really like how you guys are doing life. I have a house that's worth $4 million. They're going to tear it down. I don't want surfers to move into the thing and burn it down. Can you stay there for free? Well, let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm not kidding you. I have a, uh, stories that I just don't have the time. He says, CJ says, give me that phone. CJ turns white like a ghost. That's me on my dad's surfboard who was two weeks away from dying, and I was drunk. First time I surfed in two years. And you took the picture, and I'm in the back of a taxi cab in Joppa? Ephesians 2.10. Each, each and every one of us are masterpieces created for great moments that God has set up before time began. I'm sincere about bumping that kid through the intersection this morning. I can see it. I like it. I think, and here's what I'm thinking. How hard do I make the tap? Is it like a little push-push, scoot-scoot, or is it one where it's like, bro, I'm on my way to church to preach the gospel? You know what I'm saying? Like, boom! Like, you know what I mean? Like a little like that. Airbag might pop, and I just go around him, you know? He can't drive it with an airbag. There's nobody on 41st. Who's going to see it? I mean, God's going to see it, but there's no, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is CJ right before his conference. I'm closing with this. Nobody gets nervous. There's nowhere to go anyway. Super Bowl's over. Come on. Raiders? Raider fans? You got Raider fans? Yeah. No? Okay, we won't get into that. This, this right here is lit up Joppa. This is lit Joppa, right over the shoulder of this whole conference. CJ's looking at it. I bring CJ. CJ, this is where you whole, I got awakened. 
This is right where the whole thing took place. And C.J. Nelson turns to the group, who's very divided, Arab surfers, Jewish surfers, short borders, long borders, and with a microphone, he says, listen, something happened down the street here 2,000 years ago with a guy named Peter. God's spirit descended and said, get over each other's differences. Get to know God and watch what then happens. I'm going to start a surf festival every year through the tribal way, the nonprofit. We just, we don't even know what we're doing. And we're going to bring six pro surfers here every year. And Mark's going to give them a pilgrimage like he just gave me. And wouldn't it be something if world peace came through the surfing community in Tel Aviv down the street where it was supposed to start 2,000 years ago? And I'm going, bro, I almost didn't baptize you. <laughs> it's like, this dude's got Buddha on his hand talking to you. What? We are masterpieces created for great moments in time, waiting for us to have his eyes, listen to his spirit, so we would have his hearts. I'd like you to do two things with me. Join the adventure. I have my business cards in the back. It's the tribalway.org. Support us through prayer. Just know that we are urban missionaries reaching a surf community that is unreachable. I'd love you to be a part of it. You're part of my community, my home. We do men's retreats together every year. The second way is I'd love you to get what we call an awe jar. This is an awe jar. This sits on our refrigerator. And every time we have a moment, a 210 moment, we write it down and we give God thanks for that moment. I pulled this out for a service. And this was a gal named Laura. Thank you, Lord, for meeting Laura. She came to our full moon party. Her husband is an ex-NFL football player, largest indoor weed grower in Portland, Oregon, has a home at Pleasure Point, right? Sold him two surfboards. They show up at my full moon party, talk about what the creator has allowed us to go through last season and what's coming this season. That's all we do. Eat, laugh, do life. Four weeks ago, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she reached out, and she goes, Mark, you got the greatest people around you. Would you send me good vibes and good feelings through my surgery? And I went, nope. I'm dying of cancer. I don't want no good vibrations. I want some prayer to the creator of the universe. I said, I'll be happy to pray for you, but I don't know what kind of vibrations. It's, let me know if you want me to, because prayer changes stuff. And you might not want me to pray for you, because CJ's life was changed. She goes, I'll take some prayer. Three days ago, I didn't screenshot it. I didn't realize I would pull her name out of here. Three days ago, she uh, DM'd me on Instagram. Surgery went great. Nothing they found, nothing. It's like a miracle transpired. I'll be back in the water with you. I don't know who you guys are, but would you keep praying for me? Get a jar. Pray for eyes and ears and hearts. And write down when God says, the guy in traffic, I need to get to know him. And watch what God does. Father, thank you for this group. Thank you for this opportunity that you gave me to not only walk the earth and represent who you are, but to enjoy the uh, mystery and the wonder along the way. Again, we thank you for this community, Rock Bible Church, and the impact they're having in this community. There's all kinds of different people in the world, Lord. Nothing like us. You died for them. And you're waiting for a church that would get real serious about loving them. That's all we got to do. Love unlovable people. As we remember that we're unlovable too. And thank you again, Lord, for everybody that walks the earth that annoys us because you're doing something in them. Would you include us in it with new eyes, new ears, and new hearts? In your son's holy name, the Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.